The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. I have some incredible news. My second book, How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race, is now the number one new release in its category on Amazon. I'm so excited, so excited for this because we've put a lot of work into it and this was risky because as a lawyer who's focusing on negotiation and conflict resolution, talking about race seems for many to be outside of the scope of what I usually do. But again, how are we defining negotiation? We define negotiation as anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. And as the podcast is titled, Negotiate Anything, we can negotiate anything. And in my years of doing uh, all of this work in the professional world, difficult conversations about race is something that comes up over and over and over again in the workplace. And there isn't really a, a solid resource out there that blends the fundamentals of negotiation and conflict resolution and effective communication with this particular topic. So it's risky. It is risky to venture in this way, but I'm really excited and encouraged by this early result. So this is not just a win for me. This is a win for you too, because you are part of this tribe. And so a quick note about the book. Who did I write this for? I, I wrote this for the person who is passionate about changing the world and their organizations for the better. The leader who leads a diverse team and the professional who wants to learn how to overcome the hidden barriers that make it tough to connect with people with a different background. So whether you consider yourself an ally or just want to avoid making a critical mistake when discussing race, this book is for you. And for you as a podcast listener, I'm making a direct request. After six years and over 600 episodes of Negotiate Anything, I'm asking for your support in this endeavor to make the world a better place. Our goal of the American Negotiation Institute is to change the world and this book plays a critical role in making that happen. And we would love to have your support. We have the links in the description of this episode so you can get your copy of How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Remy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, with pleasure. Thank you, Kwame. 
Um, I'm a negotiation professor, um, uh, cherishing this passion uh, for many, many years. Um, uh, I run um, a negotiation research institute at HHL Graduate School of Management in, in Leipzig, Germany, and organize negotiation competitions for, for students and, and, and professionals. Uh, also advise, uh, advise clients on uh, negotiation and innovation. I love this. And listeners, um, we, we started this conversation uh, about 20 minutes ago, and uh, the conversation has just been flowing. And I had to stop the conversation abruptly. I'm like, Remy, we need to save some of this magic for the podcast. Uh, because this, this is happening frequently now where I just start chatting and I'm like, why am I not recording this? So I'm so pumped for this episode. Um, and so listeners, if, you, if you're relatively new, I'll, I'll start off briefly with my origin story. Remy, Remy, I told you about this too, because my I got on the path of negotiation from law school when I stumbled into a negotiation class, took the class, did well in these negotiation competitions that I didn't know existed until I took the class and I fell in love. And I don't think I would be where I am today with the American Negotiation Institute had it not been for these for these um, uh, negotiation competitions. So I'm pumped to talk about this. So Remy, can you just set the stage for us? Because I know a lot of people are listening and they are saying, what is a negotiation competition? So let's just start there. That's a great question. Um, to start off, um, we very often, as negotiation professors, trainers, coaches, uh, very often define negotiation as a skill, which means an ability to perform a particular action. In, in the case of negotiation, that's an ability to align preferences, decision preferences between between two part, at least two parties, right? And uh, uh, that definition has profound consequences. Like any other skill that we can uh, that we can possibly look at, such as I don't know, um, languages, music, sports, right? Uh, you name it. Uh, um, uh, we have uh, we have worked out an ability to measure them and compare them in a competitive context. Yeah? But uh, I think uh, by, by this time, there is a consensus. There's a wide consensus, uh, uh, which uh, basically says that it is indeed a skill. Yeah? And that has uh, consequences, I mentioned, the, the consequences that sort of led us uh, or have led us to, uh, had led us to uh, organizing the competition, the competition itself when we thought, when we said, well, if it's a skill, then let's measure it. Then let's compare it. Then let's work out a set of objective criteria how we could recognize good negotiators from those who are excellent, yeah, and uh, and uh, create a, a controlled setting yeah, in which we could indeed compare uh, the results, be it substantive or relational or any other or procedural procedural um, uh, with each other. And that was the origin of the competition. This is. So fascinating to me. This is great. And as you were going through all of this, I realized that you have a very unique perspective on negotiation skills because the majority of people who are listening to this podcast have been negotiating, right? And the the whole ethos behind the podcast is making negotiation feel more approachable and recognizing that you're negotiating all the time. And so the the definition that we use, it's very, very simplistic. Obviously, we do believe negotiation is a skill. Uh, we consider every conversation where somebody wants something a negotiation, just so we can get people to think more intentionally about the, the way that we interact. And so we can find ourselves in a lot of negotiations. And we may have the opportunity to observe some negotiations from time to time. But even if we are observing negotiations, it's probably not many negotiations, and we're probably not observing it with the intent of 
of analyzing and uh, and um, critiquing the negotiator's performance. So you are one of the few people in the entire world who has looked at negotiation through this lens. So given all of the various negotiation simulations that you've observed and the people that you've coached, what would you say are the top three skills associated with being a great negotiator? Wow, that's a great question, Kwame. Thank you, thank you so much for asking it. Uh, um, <clears throat> let me think a while. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the observations that we've made a, a, a few years ago is something that I call the panda bear effect. Yeah. The panda bear effect. It's it's a working name for something that we still want to research uh, a little bit closer, look at a little bit closer in, in a more systematic way. But we've noticed that the best negotiators appear somewhat like panda bears appear when we observe them. A little bit clumsy, a little bit, uh, you know, um, defenseless, uh, cute, kind, right? But uh, uh, they come across as no threat. Yeah? They come across as, uh, come across friendly. Yeah? They come across as, uh, as, uh, as those who um, don't pose any danger, any risk. Right, so um, we typically—I mean, I'd say ninety-some percent of the population like panda bears, right? So when we observe them, we don't think about running away or attacking them. We think about, oh, how cute are they? Yeah? Oh, how nice! Yeah? And we want to spend time. We want to interact with them to the extent, obviously, it's possible. They typically, they typically live in zoos and uh, and, um, <laughs> and breeding centers, right? But uh, uh, but the panda bear effect is um, typically displayed by negotiators who come across exactly like that, kind, approachable, friendly, right? But they have a hard plan, analytical plan in the back of our mind. They know very well what to uh, 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 what to achieve, what to uh, what to uh, what to get in a particular negotiation. But they do have this sort of a kind clumsiness. Uh, um, in terms of their appearance, so I define I define uh, great negotiators and negotiators as those who uh, who combine a hardcore analytical hard uh, hardware yeah, with the panda bear type of a front end. Yeah. Uh, it's so important, yeah. It's so important because uh, because perceiving someone as too intellectual, too too strong rhetorically might lead to one of the two uh, intuitive reactions which we typically displayed in the presence of a threat that is uh, either an attack, yeah, fight, or flight, or, or to defend, yeah, or escape, right? And none of these responses are particularly useful in terms of achieving great negotiation results. Yeah? Um, the clue lies in the, in the right combination of the front end and yeah, the panda bear type of a uh, type of a front end, which comes across as universally likable, yeah, maybe a little bit clumsy, but definitely no threat, yeah, with a hardcore um, negotiation analytical mind, yeah, which uh, precisely knows what are the issues, yeah, how important those issues are to us, and what are the priorities um, that I want to set on any particular stage of a negotiation. So if I were to answer your question uh, as shortly as I possibly could, uh, that's the panda bear effect. Uh, typically, great negotiators uh, are able to combine, uh, to combine these two uh, characteristics. Does your company invest in professional development training? 
If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And we will be right back after this. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, and this is Everyday Better. Positivity is just a belief that there are good things even in the midst of a broken world. Post-traumatic growth is about actually growing stronger as a result of trauma. The universe only has one chance to see through your eyes. Give yourself that much respect and your life that much respect. Join me every week to explore the stories and ideas that show us how we can live even better every single day with people who are changing the world. Tune in to my weekly podcast, Everyday Better, wherever you like to listen. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Oh, that is so cool because... And I love panda bears. Everybody does. Um, little aside, I'm, uh, I love tennis. Tennis is my favorite sport. I was president of the tennis club team at Ohio State, uh, mainly because I wasn't good enough to be on the varsity team. <laughs> but my... Uh, <laughs> You have the vibration dampener that you can put on your strings, and mine was a panda bear <laughs> that I had <laughs> on mine. So this is this is this resonates really well. And you're absolutely right because as you were saying that, I was thinking about the people who I consider to be the best negotiators, and they certainly are not threatening, right? And they're they're not intimidating in that type of way, but they're so sharp. They always go in there with some kind of strategy plan. They're analytical. And they can think on their feet. And I love that you said this because the description that you gave of what a great negotiator is flies in the face of what Hollywood will make us believe a great negotiator is. Somebody who always knows exactly what to say, who's incredibly articulate, who can come up with these moving monologues out of nowhere <laughs> and uh, and can be kind of mean and aggressive when when necessary. And they just wow people with their intellect and, and assertiveness and the people just submit. Um, I feel like I'm a decent negotiator. I've never wowed somebody like that, <laughs> you know? And exactly. I think it's important for us to realize like, hey, this is not real. People are operating off of scripts. Nobody talks like that. And even if people did, it would be very off-putting because there should be a mutual exchange of conversation and information during a negotiation. And so it's really interesting that this is the key 
because again, people feel like they have to be somebody else a lot of times when it comes to their negotiations. But no, I think the I think the this effect that you described, the panda bear effect, makes becoming a great negotiator feel a lot more achievable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yes, uh, um, it's a panda bear. A panda bears combined with a negotiation intelligence, something which we called in uh, one of our papers uh, negotiation intelligence, meaning exact, which means exactly, you know, having having knowing the tools, you know, having the repertoire of a broad spectrum of uh, of negotiation tool tactics, tactics and methods, and knowing which one of those use in which context. Right, uh, uh, because negotiation is highly situational. Right, so what works in in distributive context where we are opposed to our when we intend to uh, uh, to claim value does not necessarily work in uh, in other contexts when we, for example, can create uh, theoretically can create value. So um, this uh, negotiation intelligence uh, combined with the panda bear effect that's exactly and that's exactly that's exactly what makes, uh, in my opinion, uh, great negotiators. Yeah. This is great. This is great. So now let's talk about the negotiation intelligence that you've observed, because I'm assuming if you are in one of these competitions, especially as you get into the later rounds, it probably becomes more and more difficult to differentiate between the good and the great. And so when you think about in terms of like negotiation intelligence, what are those key things that separate the person who's first place from second place? Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, um, and in, in, in some cases, in some cases, the differences are uh, really tiny, uh, really tiny, both on uh, both in terms of uh, in terms of the uh, substantive outcome as well as relational outcome, uh, which uh, very much indicate that people who register for our negotiation competitions are passionate negotiators themselves, right? Uh, which means. Uh, um, uh, in terms of, uh, for example, student competitions, uh, many of them uh, start their preparations with uh, the beginning of the winter semester, which is sometime uh, around September, October, and the competition does not take place until March or April. Yeah? So they, they undergo extended preparation process, where, um, which uh, leads us to assume that they probably do know their, uh, their craftsmen's Ships, uh, tools, right? Uh, negotiation, craftsmanship. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> that's not so much uh, so, about, so much about knowledge, but uh, the ability to pull out the right tool, right? If I see a if I see a nail, I need a hammer, and that's uh, some other tool, right? So, so uh, the combination, yeah? uh, the combination of uh, uh, negotiation setup. So, are we talking about uh, distributive type of a negotiation? Are we talking a distributive uh, negotiation with relational components, or are we be, are, are we going to be uh, discussing something where we can, which we need to solve together, that can create more or less value depending on how well we do it, right? And um, and uh, negotiation intelligence is not only the knowledge of those tools of tools that work in those particular settings but also the intuition the ability to pull out the hammer when there there are nails uh, right and not any uh, any other. and this is this is kind of um, uh, this is uh, now we're getting to the art of negotiation this comes only with repetitions and experience yes uh, uh, only with repetition and experience we can recognize the type of a negotiation partner quicker with negotiation and with uh, repetitions and experience, we can uh, recognize the characteristics of particular situations quicker. Um, 
Uh, Mike Wheeler, um, Harvard professor, um, um, uh, uh, who I had a chance to uh, to meet uh, during my 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 stay my stay in Boston many years ago, uh, he recently started referring to negotiation to to, to negotiation as, a, as 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 sort of a jazz a jam session, yeah? uh, and I, I love I love this comparison a lot because it's uh, it uh, tells us exactly about about the gist of it, right? So it's not all, it's not enough to know the you know how to play particular tones right uh, according to the notes but uh, it's also important to react spontaneously to the reaction of our fellow band members right and this is uh, this is uh, this is the the the, the, intu the intuitive part which uh, is paradoxically maybe also learnable yeah? so nobody is born a a perfect improvised jazz improviser as a perfect jazz improviser right it's something that we uh, that we come to once we've you know figured out the notes uh, started uh, started hitting the right uh, the right strings or the right i don't know um, drums at the right times um, and only with uh, with experience with repetition and experience we get to uh, we get to the point where we can um, sort of flexibly react yeah, um, or flexibly optimize the outcome based on our intuitive reactions, uh, um, uh, which we've produced through hours or days or years of training. Oh, this is so good. And I, I know we can just keep on talking about this and I want to, <laughs> but I, uh, we're coming up on time here and uh, I, I want to give you an opportunity again to, to let the listeners know about the, the, your university, the competitions and, and also the consulting firm and how they can get in touch with you. Yes, thank you, Kwame, for your generosity. It's uh, been a great conversation so far. Uh, maybe we should continue it uh, at some at some point. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, if um, um, a call out, a shout out to the audience. Uh, if you guys are passionate negotiators, there is a competition uh, coming up for um, for practitioners and yeah, non students. Let me put it like this. Yeah, uh, which is coming up this fall. Uh, registration deadline is October seventh, and all details you can find on www.professionals.thenegotiationchallengewrittentogether.org. And uh, I'd be uh, delighted to, uh, to meet some of, your, uh, some of your listeners during our competitions. Yes, that's, that is great. And listeners, there will be links to all of that in the description of this episode. Remy, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Kwame, thank you for having me. It's been a great, uh, great discussion, great talk. Thank you. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.